The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! Good evening. You are listening to a Rattle Gym Broadcasting premiere podcast, TV Party Tonight. I'm your host, the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, brought to you by the good people at um, news. Ah, there we go. Amazon Studios and New Line Cinema. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power is an American fantasy television series developed by J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay for Amazon Prime. Based on the novel The Lord of the Rings and its appendices by J.R.R. Tolkien, the series is set in the second age of Middle-earth, thousands of years before Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, uh, as they said, produced by Amazon and New Line, with uh, the consultation of Tolkien Estate. And joining me to talk about this is the only man left standing. We had like 92 people that wanted to do this, and by the end of it, there, there was Dave standing on top of the mountaintop with a flag in hand and his shirt torn and his Ripply, muscly peck sticking out of it. Never mind, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sci fi and fantasy himself from our Canadian office, David Wright. How do you do, sir? Nobody goes off the path and nobody <laughs> walks alone, I guess. Did you get that right? I, I don't know, but like you froze halfway through it, so hit me one more time with okay. that line. Okay. I said, so nobody goes off the path and nobody goes alone. Perfect. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm doing fine, thanks. Dave, when did you start listening to the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network? Like, what, about what year was this? Oh, geez, what year was it? Um, I'd almost say maybe 2011. All right, so like back in the long road to ruin era. Yes, yes. I missed out on so many juicy shows back then. <laughs> yeah. It's true. That was that was the me and Sean and sometimes Robert Winfrey uh, and sometimes Benjamin J. Cologne who did our title card art. So um, Dave, longtime fan of the show and now a frequent contributor, he knows, maybe some of you out there know, that I am a big Lord of the Rings fan. When asked, as I am often these days, what my favorite movies are, I because no one's heard of Reservoir Dogs anymore in the year of our Lord 2022 uh, or, you know, The Deer Hunter or, you know, any of my... 70s era hoity-toity movies that I like. I just say The Lord of the Rings. People have actually mm -hmm. heard of that one. Um, so, and it's true. I am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And initially, I was excited about this whole Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power thing. Um, as we got closer to it, and the you know they started releasing uh, marketing for it, still pictures, trailers, and whatnot. As the people, you know, the internet reviewers started weighing in, as Twitter started to rumble about it, I got less and less enthusiastic. And then by the time it actually got came to the show, because I, I generally binge these things right before we review them, I didn't watch as everyone else was watching, but I could I could pick up very easily <laughs> that people were not enthusiastic about this show. Like it might have gotten, I haven't looked yet. But it might have gotten critical claim, but I think audience claim was um, not particularly positive. But let me ask you: uh, How big of a Lord of the Rings fan are you? Like, what brought you to what brought you to Tolkien? Uh, well, my my parents introduced me to uh, to Tolkien uh, back in the day. Like, they, my dad read us The Hobbit when we were kids, and then he read us mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think in the third grade, I read The Hobbit myself for my free reading book. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and kind of after that, like I, I, I kind of knew of it, but I wasn't really big in the fandom or anything like that. Right. Uh, yeah. And then of course, when Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings came out, 
Uh, I think actually it was Andrew, our friend, who who lent me his copy of The Fellowship on DVD. I didn't go see it in theaters, and no, I regret and I regretted that decision once I put the DVD on because this was just like holy smokes, this must have been yeah. what it was like seeing Star Wars back when it first came out. Just so. a whole new level of filmmaking. Needless so, to say, I, I did I did go to the Two Towers and Return of the King, and I should hope so, man. Yes, um, yes, my my penance. <laughs> I was a child the first time I saw the Rankin and Bass uh, Return of the King. That was at that yeah. era on television. Yeah, I, I saw the Hobbit back. Yeah, that, we had that on VHS somewhere, and we did eventually see the Return of the King. They did. Yep, um, I saw Return of the King first. Gave me nightmares for the length and breadth of my childhood. Uh, between the orcs yelling "You're just the Hobbit" with the spit coming out of his mouth, and then Gollum and all of that with more spit coming out of it. Rankin and Bass, very popular, very much into spit in the mouth. Yeah. But hey, where, where there's a whip is a way is, is like <laughs> the, the song of my grade three self. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Just ask any person in the BDSM community. Yes, we don't want to go to work war today, but the Lord of the Lash says, nay, 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 nay. We're going <laughs> to march all day, all day, all day. <laughs> Maybe um, that should be the theme song of the Marathon Broadcasting. Maybe we'll work on changing the theme now. Um. I did watch The Hobbit eventually. Oh, I soundboard. Also, I also watched the other one that combines the Fellowship of the Ring. It's the... Um, the the it, Ralph Bakshi yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that fucking ends with I, the the very end of the Two Towers rather suddenly. It's it's like they have that battle with the orcs, and then it was like, and then they got rid of the ring. The end. Nope. <laughs> That's not how this goes. Um, so I remember that I saw all three of these movies in the theater opening night. Fellowship of the Ring. We so my friends and I were all like Dungeons and Dragons players, fantasy fans, you know, typical nerds. We like sci-fi, we like fantasy, big Tolkien fans, all of that. And um, so when Peter Jackson did his Lord of the Rings trilogy, we saw Fellowship of the Ring opening night. My friend had just my friend and his girlfriend had just broken up with each other. And I invited her out with, I invited her out with a bunch of my guy friends. She would end up marrying one of them. Um, but this was, I bring it up because she had no idea. She was literally coming just to get out of the house and kind of get over being, you know, the breakup of, with this boyfriend. Uh, so it's kind of a distraction. So I, I say that to say this, the movie ends, Fellowship of the Ring ends with uh, the fellowship being broken for, you know, Sam and Frodo start making their way uh, across the river to Mordor. Um, Merry and Pippin get taken away by the orcs, by the uh, Urukai. Yep. And uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and what's Legolas. Legolas go, let's hunt some orc and go yep. fucking off into the forest. <clears throat> um, and we're like, again, bunch of Tolkien fans, bunch of D&D fans, we're all sitting around. Oh my God, that was amazing. Oh my God, that was so good. Holy crap, Peter Jackson really knocked it the park. I can't even wait a whole year for this because they were done one year after another, just like the Hobbit yeah. was. We were like, I can't, I can't believe we're gonna wait a whole another year for this. It's too long, it's too long. This is great. And Carol goes, That was it? It's already over. And you ever now you know how I felt during our Dune review. <laughs> yeah, very similar thing where, where everyone just sort of like it was diving on her. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, for anyone that has not read the books, totally natural, uh, appropriate reaction. No, you're not wrong, but it was still yeah. like really funny. It was like a, like a room full of you know because this is literally like the Thursday night preview. So this is this is like Avengers level stuff. This was the yeah. Tolkien fans, and she's and it was one of those a very similar story. Um, one of the first times uh, my wife and I hung out back when we were dating. She took me to a US, a, a UF, um, I think it was Mississippi. It was the, the only game that season the Tim Tebow lost. And I'm, you know, we we get to Gainesville, everyone's decked out, and you know, this this is almost cultish. And I just sort of out loud think just thinking out loud, set on the bus to the game. Okay, but what if they lose? <laughs> similar, similar thing happened where everyone's like just turns and looks at me with daggers. Yeah, everyone was ready to kill Carol. Uh, she was like, "Wait, that's over!" Like I thought, did they ever get rid of the ring? <laughs> it was a different time. It was. It really was. Um, I don't watch a lot of stuff on repeat. 
Uh, there are two things that I make a habit out of rewatching. Three things now. Um, a lot of it's just to put on at bedtime before I go to sleep. But I'll rewatch a lot of the Marvel stuff or Star Wars just because I don't care if I fall asleep during it anymore. Um, but every year, every That's January, really helped you during Andor. Ho ho! <laughs> I haven't watched it. Um, <laughs> heard it's good though. Anyway, um, I have a January yearly rewatch of the Lord of the Rings trilogy every yeah. year. La and um, a year extended so cut. Yeah. Why did um, they even ask that stupid question? Yeah, I was going to say, I well, I used to have the Blu-rays of the extended cuts. And before I would propose to my wife, I made her sit through the entire 12 plus hours of mm -hmm, Lord of the mm -hmm. Rings. And I was like, I'm not, you have to make it through this. You have to survive this test or I don't think I can marry you. Probably should have used a different test, but that's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was I was serious about my, my Lord of the Rings love, and now every year, like I said, I rewatch it in January. I watch the whole thing. Um, they re-released them recently, like a like not a new cut necessarily, some sort of like digitized version of it. Yeah. Um, and they released them back in theaters, and I took my daughter to all three, so that yeah. was fun. I got to she got to experience that. I think this year I'm going to make Jonas watch them. So that is my love of this uh, Lord of the Rings IP. So I said before, going into Rings of Power, I did not have a lot of high hopes. I had heard the Critical Drinker's comments on it, and I was kind of hoping he, much like She-Hulk, he was just chumming the waters for the neckbeards out there and that it wasn't as bad as he was making it out to be. What were your some of your um, expectations for Rings of Power? Well, I basically went into Rings of Power doing my best not to have any expectations. Not in a negative light, just I wanted mm -hmm. to be neutral. Just let's go in, we'll watch it, see what it is, and if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. Like, I, I didn't really go... Like I had certainly heard, I mean, just from the YouTube thumbnails, that there was a lot of, uh, of, of nerd rage against it. Yeah. But I, I have this sort of crazy philosophy of like, maybe I'll just wait to actually like watch the damn thing and then figure out how it actually is rather than rather what? than getting worked up for half a year. I know, right? I'm a horrible person. Listen, this is the year of our Lord 2022. We're going to need you to get fucked up and angry before things come out, sir. Um, all right. So let's get into the what the actual show is. Here's the premise. Uh, set thousands of years before the events of that. We're not going to go episode by episode. We're going to talk tackle this as we do all of our TV parties these days and themes and arcs. But set thousands of years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, the series is based on Tolkien's history of Middle-earth. It begins during a time of relative peace and covers all the major events of Middle-earth's Second Age. The forging of the Rings of Power, the rise of the Dark Lord Sauron, the fall of the island kingdom of Numenor, and the last alliance between elves and men. These events take place over thousands of years in Tolkien's original stories, but are condensed for the series. The series mainly follows Galadriel, who is played by Morfid Clark. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. And, I mean, she certainly looks like a young Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Um, she looks like a young Kate Blanchett. And I think... Uh, let's start with her, because so much of this show is based around her. The big criticism from the drinker and others other than um why is the elf wizard the big warrior princess star of this thing like i i'm fine with that part of it um however i think a legitimate criticism was she's a complete fucking asshole through the entire series and i was telling you before we started tonight and we'll start with this i was desperately hoping they were wrong and that much like she hulk and much like a lot of our characters they begin flawed they begin maybe condescending or they, you know, they begin arrogant. And then over the course of the season, things happen to them. They are changed by experiences and they are better off for it by the end. A little older, a little wiser, a little scarred up, but definitely made better by the experiences uh, of the show. And Galadriel goes from episode one to episode eight, completely unchanged. The near as I can tell, it's it is not it is not an arc so much as it is a straight line. Um, she's insufferable. They they wrote they seem to confuse badass and tough and all of that with uh, pig headed. Boy, are they not the same thing? And if if that's your starting point, that's fine. But then you have to be not pig headed 
by the end of it. And she's just as big of a dick at the end of this show, at the end of the eight episodes, at least, because this is renewed for a second season, um, as she is at the beginning. And it's one of the many things that made this a difficult watch because I kept waiting for her to be humbled by her experiences. But nope, she's an insufferable twat all eight episodes. And I just don't understand why, Dave. Yeah, well, the thing that bothers me, I think, more than having a flaw, uh, a character that doesn't have flaws is you have a flawed character, but the script never acknowledges it. Yeah. Like in the very first episode, she's taken her what's left of her squad up into the mm -hmm. far north to find Sauron's last castle or whatever. And mm -hmm. one of them basically collapses due to exhaustion or cold or whatever. And she's like, leave him. We need to keep going. And we're supposed to think that she's the good one for making that choice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like if all the others have been like, Gladriel, what the heck? <laughs> or if you she know. came back and she was like, now, listen, you can't leave your troops in the field to die. That's not generaling. That's yeah, that is bad. very bad for morale. And then, by the way, there's like seven of us left, you know, so we kind of need all the elves we can get right now. I mean, someone made the point of saying that, she is in fact somewhat like punished, but it's kind of like in the wire where, and the other thing I rewatch every year, um, yeah. but um, it, where you're punished by promotion. They're like, yeah. you're terrible at your job. So let's make, let's have you make rank so you can do less damage. Yes. They, they basically promoted her and transferred her to another department to, <laughs> to get her out of the way. That's, that's pretty much. Yeah. You're going to go, you're going to work management in Valinor now. Why? Because we can't have you in the field. You're terrible. Um, yeah. and, but that's it. it's it's like it's it's somewhat like you've done your bit for God and country, so now go with the elves into Valinor. And she's like, I don't want to go to Valinor. I want I want to kick more ass. I want to find Sauron. Uh, yeah, I, want, I still want to find Sauron. Uh, yeah, that's that's everything that she wants is to find Sauron. That's that's her her goal. Which I mean, as far as goals go, is fine for a season arc. Is you know, I'm yeah. looking for thing, and end of season they find a thing or there's a twist or something. That's that's perfectly fine. There didn't seem to be other than I, I just know I'm right. That That's her entire motivation. Sauron's still out there. You never, because they don't really show it, they, there's like one, maybe one flashback, but when the when the beginning of Lord of the Rings starts and you see a Isildur and Sauron's like last stand and everything, there's a, there's a sense, especially the way that that's shot, with you know how everything how black everything is and there's a lot of time spent on the orcs killing humans and elves and you know yeah. that if Isildur doesn't take Sauron out they're all gonna die like this this yeah. is it's Armageddon time so you <clears throat> later on when Elrond's like get, get rid of the ring get, get get rid of the ring for God's sakes get rid of that ring yeah you, there's that palpable sense of urgency that goes with that goes into everything and that sets up the entire first act of fellowship of the ring they try to do that here without recognizing the need for that sense of urgency in what drives her to find sauron i never got a strong sense in the narrative or anything that they showed in those first couple episodes that there was a reason for her to be this panicky it's like yeah i just know sauron's out there somewhere and we got to get him and everyone's like, it's fucking peaceful out here. There's no sign of Zoran. Everything's fine. Shut up, woman. And she's like, no, I have the sight. I have the third <laughs> eye, man. And that's kind of all there is. It's not like, you know, there was talk in the Lord of the Rings of, oh, you know, the um, the men of the of Rohan, um, you know, they're starting to rise up. Oh, shit, there's some, there's some stuff going on with Saruman. Like, there's whispers in the wind. Like, there was a palpable mm -hmm. sense that things are getting bad out there. Sauron might just be back. None of that's in this show. It's just good old woman's intuition. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think they needed to add another element to her to her storyline in, in the first season. Like, maybe she has having self-doubt. You know, like maybe mm. Sauron is gone and I should go... And then right at the end, she gets the evidence that, no, he's still around. And, you know, mm -hmm. you know just when I was about to get out, they keep bringing me back in or some, something like that. Or a she nightmare? needs to learn. Or a maybe like maybe? Yeah, a nightmare or like the, the whole Mount Doom going off 
Mm-hmm. There, uh, like, like maybe do the reveal of what the symbol Sauron is has left behind actually means, which I actually thought was a clever reveal. It's just mm-hmm. maybe if they had done that later in the season, that would have paid off. I mean, then what do you do with Gladriel for that time? Like maybe mm-hmm. she could have had a, you know, maybe you know, don't do everything by yourself. Have friends that you can rely on to help you. <laughs> that I mean, it's it's not a, an original thing, but it's something. Yeah. Uh, about about the only thing I could really say in Gladriel's defense is I kind of had this idea of this sort of uh, mind game is what if what if you swapped her and Elrond, and like make Elrond be the badass warrior from the start who's trying to find Sauron at all costs and nobody believes him that Sauron's still there. Like, I, I don't think the story would have been good, but I, I bet the backlash would have been a lot less. Yeah, but okay, and I don't. Even I didn't even want to address any of that since you you since you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. There's we can kind of shift into this. A big part of the backlash of the show, and I'm going to go ahead and and right off the bat say I don't care about any of this. I don't care about race swap. This comes up with comic books a lot. Um, I know yeah. that there are friends of ours, and and to them I say I love you. I God bless you. I wish nothing but happiness in your world. But I don't give a shit about the things you give a shit about. <laughs> Turn the review off. I don't know what else to tell you. I yeah. I don't care about race swapping. I don't care about gender swapping. Um, I know the argument is, but make a new thing. Don't make name more Mexican. More on that tomorrow. Just make a new character. Or hear me out. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's a. I I know the Tolkien people were like, "There's no such thing as black dwarves." I know she's like Indian or some shit, but there's no such thing as black dwarves. There's no such thing as black elves. You know, yes, J.R.R. Tolkien, born eighteen something, <laughs> you know, was yeah. a man was a man in World War One. Um, made all of his characters white. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> you know. And I know I understand the perspective from which he was writing from, and I understand the need to have a page-to-screen translation be a hundred percent. But there's no law on the book that says you have to do it that way. You can, in fact, extrapolate, adapt. You can make the show, and I know that this is this was the drinker's line, and it, you know, and he says it rather sarcastically, but I I think he's wrong about this. You know, we have to reflect the world we live in today. Well, it would be fucking nice. <laughs> you know, there are it's not like only white people like fantasy. And 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 here's a thought, and I'm just gonna throw this out there. This is supposed to appeal to the widest audience possible, not just the sliver of Tolkien purists. This this cost like a fucking billion dollars or some shit. I don't I gotta look at the budget again, but this was like the most expensive show in the history of uh, television. It's gotta appeal to more than five hundred people. And if one of the ways you do that is have some prominent women characters, have some different char- have some um, of the various creatures of Middle Earth be of different races, there are other things in life to get excited about. This ain't one of them. Yeah, I, I think like that's a valid way of looking at it. And for me, it's a very case by case system. Um, like I, I, th- I think you know, I, I want to let you finish your point, but I think it only yeah. matters when the race of the character matters. So if Boardwalk Empire, Chalky yeah. White, played by Michael K. Mm-hmm. White, um, he was very specifically supposed to be a black character. Yeah. You know, he represented a certain segment of that population. He represented a perspective. Um, he His character had a reason for being there, and he had to be black for it to work. You, you can't remake Boardwalk Empire and make him Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that character. However... The fucking elves? It doesn't matter, dude. It really doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, the the best argument I could make against your position, just for argument's sake, is, like, when I was watching the M. Night Shyamalan Last Airbender, mm-hmm. and, like, they go to the Northern Water Tribe, and there's a guy there that basically looks like Binny, Billy Connolly dressed <laughs> as an Inuit, and I'm like, this seems a bit out of place. Sure. I, I, like, like, that's kind of the... that That's as far as I'll go down that path there, but... Yeah, like I totally get what you're saying. Like the representation, there's a lot of Lord of the Rings fans of various different races, and it would be nice if they got to see characters that look like them. On it. yeah, I, I I don't see the need to get that worked up about it. But for me, it's more like just give me a good character. Yeah, that's all I care about. Give me a good character, good story, and like pretty much right away, like that 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 will not be the issue. And I think where some people get really upset is they feel like 
the diversity casting, for lack of a better term, is being used mm -hmm. as a substitute and a shield for good writing. It probably story. is, but I can sit here and criticize this show for being a shit show that's yeah. written poorly without atta <laughs> without attacking the race of the actors in it. Absolutely, and uh, I'm 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 right with you there. Well, it's like the mm -hmm. you know the 2003 Battlestar Galactica reboot where they did you know, a few race and gender swaps of uh, main mm -hmm. characters, and like yeah, there the fan base is screaming bloody murder, not just over that, just mm -hmm. over the whole show as it was a different timeline and so on and so forth. Then the show actually came out and was absolutely amazing, and all of a sudden you didn't hear those voices anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I think as far as you know, making Galadriel the star of this thing. So th this whole this whole conversation got started because you're like, what if you switched your point of view main hero character from Galadriel to Elrond? Yeah, I mean, well, I think there's a case to be made. Even if you if you take out, we don't want to aggravate the neckbeards. There's a case to be made for him. He's prop. <laughs> you know what it actually reminds me of? It reminds me of the argument about about the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Why was this about Anakin? Shouldn't it have been about Obi Wan Kenobi? Like, okay. you know, especially especially the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace had no business being about Qui Gon. Really should have been focusing on Obi Wan, and the whole trilogy should have been focused focused on him. You know, we have Anakin, who sort of you know who's going to be this fallen angel turned to devil. Um, so your star, your lead, has to be um, has to be Obi Wan Kenobi. And because nobody who worked on that movie knew how to write George Lucas, um, they, he made the focus Anakin. And it's like, no, 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 that's not who we needed to be focusing on here. That's this isn't. Yes, it's his story of how he fell from grace. But you're but these fantasies need heroes. And you mm -hmm. instead focused on the villain for some stupid reason. It would be like, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy only focusing on the Joker for some. You know, like, why? Why would you do that? I know. As if a movie about the Joker would be successful. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not having that argument with you right now. Um, <laughs> <an> argument, okay. <laughs> so anywho, um, speaking of angry white people, yeah, I I think I, I, here's the problem with, with Galadriel, just to kind of sum that up, we can move on yeah. to something else. They needed to, other than giving her better motivation, more, more in-depth motivation for why she was so crazily insistent on finding Sauron they also um needed to they needed to soften her up a bit and not because like oh I don't want to see hard women out there I'm plenty fine with you know hard badass women however when they're not completely unchanged by the circumstances around them and like there's some things that happened to her like she gets imprisoned at one point in, in Numenor for going off on the queen it's like all right rightly so and then it's like five minutes later they just let her out again Completely yeah. un and like never everyone around her. What's, what's really funny is that she's presented as this character who's just a complete asshole, but everyone in the show acknowledges she's an asshole, and they're all just kind of like Galadriel, please stop. <laughs> she's like, she's like a drunk frat girl at times, and, like, and everyone's just like Galadriel, plot, you're embarrassing all of us. Like, I think the one like Kingsguard or whatever with the long hair, the, the father of yeah, the Sildor, uh, yeah, the Sildor, yeah. You know, he, there's a couple of times where he's just like, please, you're embarrassing everyone and me, and you're making this harder than it has to be. Please stop doing what you're doing. Yeah, learn you how know, to read the room. Yeah, learn how to read the room. Um, there's a couple of moments like that, which which I found really wildly amusing. Um, yeah, the, the one last thing I'd say on Galadriel isn't really mm -hmm. Galadriel, but I, I feel like I must channel my inner Winfrey for a, for a minute here. Like that, no that started in the first episode where her brother's explaining to her why boats float and stones sink because mm -hmm. the boats have seen the darkness and you need to see the darkness in order to go with the light. That's not how boats work. You're <laughs> elves. You are a technologically advanced civilization. You should understand buoyancy. <laughs> okay. Sorry, my um, minor engineer just <laughs> did not uh, like talk, that. Your, your metaphor that. sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Find Again, it, get a better one. Not talented people trying to write uh, above a fourth grade level, and it's not working. Uh, speaking of above a fourth grade level, I had the Sauron reveal ruined for me because I stupidly watched one of the drinkers' videos before oh. I start. I watched one or two episodes of this, and then I was like, "Oh, I want to see. I want to watch one of the drinker videos to see kind of what he what he thought about in the beginning." 
and immediately went into spoilers oh how brand is sauron but his whole take on it was they telegraphed it from the start were you one of those people that did you know like almost immediately like yeah that's sauron no no that one i didn't have spoiled for me i it was a bit of a strange reveal well i guess that's what i was asking were you surprised at all well, like for me, a good reveal is one where, like, once you have the reveal, you're like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming." And then when you think back to everything before, it's like, "Why didn't I see that coming?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like Hot Fuzz, right? When they reveal what's really going on in the village, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, wait a minute! All this comic release stuff was actually the real motivation for the story." And right. when you watch the movie again, you're like, "I totally see how it all fits together." Okay, that, that, like one of the most brilliant mystery films I think I've ever seen. Even though it's a oh. comedy. But, uh, well, I mean, one of the most brilliant mysteries ever written, it's also a comedy, it's Clue the movie. Yes. And, you know, and again, it's all there. It's all in the movie. But, you know, but when they when Tim Curry is running around and explaining everything, you're like, oh, I missed that detail. I missed that. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying. But I go back to like the Sauron yeah. thing. When you look back on the show, were there any clues that that, that was him? Because, again, the, yeah. the argument, the negative argument, the negative criticism is that it was way telegraphed. Yeah. I mean, that one missed. That one, it did miss me. Like I, even, I, I, like the one thing I like at the end is she said, like, "Well, you, you saved me from the oceans." Like, did I save you or did you save me? I'm like, okay, that kind of tracks. But like <laughs> the, the the bit where like he goes to Numenor, it's like I want to become a smith and just spend the rest of my life in Numenor. It's like this doesn't really sound like the machinations of a dark lord. I, I like that 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 I, I didn't really understand his explanation for like how in retrospect that. Mm-hmm. indicated that he was Sauron. Like, he's getting into fist, drunken fist fights in alleyways. And, <laughs> you know, like, you, you would expect someone who was yeah. already, like, a lord of darkness to to kind of go about well, things a bit of a different way. Here's another opportunity that they completely missed to make Galadriel at least a relatable character. And again, I'm going to compare it to Padme and Anakin, you know, where even as bad a writer as, as George Lucas is and how poorly he understands people and apparently didn't know how to write romance he at least tried to develop a relationship between those two so that when Anakin goes off the deep end there's at least a modicum of an explanation for why Padme isn't running for the hills you know it's very girl thing like he seems a little broken I'm gonna stay with him he fucking killed women and children it's a little broken I feel like I can fix it you know there was an opportunity for Especially when they did the reveal at the end where you see the shadow of Sauron and his armor and Galadriel standing next to him. And the implication is, you know, she's the bride of Sauron. And I was like, shouldn't that have been slowly developed over the course of eight episodes? Like once they've met, she should start having like dreams and flashbacks and night terrors where Sauron, you know, again, the other one, Ray and um, uh, Shirtless McGee. Kylo Um, Ren Kylo Ren you know where he's like speaking to her from beyond you know and she's like you know it's like come you know like be the bride of Sauron no you know that kind of a thing no there's none of that so like when at the end he's just like we will be together based on what (laughs) what relationship do you two have what does she what is Galadriel bringing to Sauron's table that he feels like this this is the bride yeah, like, the, the main reason for her to stick around him is because he's masquerading as the, the king of Numenor. He's basically doing the Aragorn thing. Yeah. So she wants to use him as a unifying force for the people of the Southland to rise up against Sauron. But, but, but I mean, there was, there was no but there's reason. not really anything emotional between the yeah, two. Yeah. Whether it was with Halbrand himself or with the ghost of Sauron in her dreams, there should have been something there. There should have been more connective tissue between them so that when at the end, when it, you know, when you, when there's that image together and I think back to the Lord of the Rings itself, where, you know, she, she's fucking around with the ring and she has to fight the evil. And she was just like, whoop, nope, never mind. I'm still Galadriel. We're good here. We're good. You know, I would have liked them to have played with the idea that Galadriel was always, and again, if you want to make her an unsufferable twat, that's fine. But then they, now you got to have her flirting with falling to the dark side, also. And there's and and Halbrand should have been that guy, you know, constantly like instead of her being an asshole, he, you know, she should be wanting to do the right thing, and he should be always like, eh, "Let's cut a corner here, let's let's cut a corner yeah, here." Yeah, he should be sort of egging her on 
right. for darker impulses. Like, you know, you have to find Sauron, like torture this person. They might know where Sauron is and, or something like that, or let, right. let this army die. It's all for the greater good. Right. The, the none of that. He just said yeah. the, the greater good. He's, yeah. He's just kind of there. Yeah. And so at the end, when he's just like, I'm Sauron, and I just, you know, so you are. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to be king of the Southlands, but you need to be king of the Southlands. Okay, I'll be king of the Southlands. Wait a minute, I checked. You're not actually the king of the Southlands. It's like, yes, I'm Sauron. Oh, no, I was tricked. Yeah. What did he Bye. do? <laughs> what did he do in the lead up to that reveal? That's supposed to make you, the audience, go, no, betrayed. Like, eh? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He does nothing throughout the entire show to where when he finally does betray them, you're like, oh no, he betrayed them. You're like, it's kind of like watching it's like he's just doing a thing, he's doing a thing, he's doing a thing. Yeah, he's like, all I want to do is make swords. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then it's like, I'm the bad guy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone turn and shoot him. Um, the other thing about him was I wish he had talked about wanting to create a weapon a little earlier than when they started fucking around with the mithril. You know, and I yeah. and I understand like that was kind of Elrond's subplot was to go to, you know, was to let's see uh was it Kazadun? Um uh, Moria, I think it was Moria. But yeah, Kazadun is in Moria, so okay. Yeah. Um, you know, to go to Moria. I will say that's what and part of a bigger topic, not the costuming. I actually had I went to a party Saturday night, and then we were talking about Rings of Power, and one of the girls is like, "I pay very much a lot of attention to costuming, yeah. and the costuming in Rings of Power is way cheap." Another person pointed out that like it's very obvious, and I can't remember what what fabric or what uh, material she was referring to, but like the plate armor was made out of some sort of like foam. It was very obvious that that's what it was, according to her. I yeah, okay. I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up on that either. I would say that the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings series <laughs> definitely when has much better costuming. Like that's yes. just that is the master class in how you do this. I think but, people complain about the Hobbit too. Like some of the stuff in the the Battle of the Five Armies looks a little cheap. Um, I think it was more like a CG production difficulties thing. But I think Weta is still doing Weta level work. Yeah. Well, I know, like, um, I, at one point I was watching the documentary on it, and they were like, a lot of the stuff in the Battle of the Five Armies was shot on second unit, and then they just like fuck it, and they like pull the plug on the second unit. Poor Andy Circus. Um, but what I was going with this is like the costuming in it. I think now that she pointed it out to me, and I look back and I and I think about some of what I saw, I'm like, okay, I, I get that. Um, I think that even the drinker pointed out at one point, like the black uh, Harfoot. Like you could actually see like his wig like glued on or some shit. Like, all right. I I wasn't watching. Well, to be that fair, the, the hardfoot were kind of just covered with crap anyway, so I don't think anyone would notice. Yes. Right. But as far as compliments go, the set design and the mm -hmm. cinematography in this, top notch. And yeah, I want to well, say like all, <laughs> Yeah, the Got production it. design I think was was really good. Like uh Brer McCreary did the music, so you know, nothing to complain about there. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, again, it's it's as usual. It's like everything other than the script, pretty good. <laughs> this is a very yeah. boy, this is like a girl at the club. She, you're pretty. Please don't talk. Um, it has generally received positive reviews from critics, with particular praise for the cinematography, the visuals, and the musical score. But of course, you know, you know, <coughs> pacing and characterization left a lot to be desired. Go yeah, well, I, I, well, I saw a, I saw a video, and I don't know if this is true or not because I mean it's on the internet, so it must be. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently, like when the showrunners sort of got the job and they didn't have a lot of experience actually running a show, surprise, surprise, they pitched it more as they've just they talked about nothing but locations, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that kind of shows in the show is that a, a lot of it is like going from place to place and who look at this pretty place, this pretty place. I mean, one of the big reveals is like, oh, surprise, this place is actually Mordor. Right. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I remember. One of the things about the Lord, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, the joke about it was it was more like an advertisement for New Zealand tourism, and it's and 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 rightly so, it's fucking gorgeous, and and like I said, this is a pretty looking show too. I don't know where they shot this, but the the actual uh, scenery is very nice. It's very picturesque. Yeah, like I liked um, uh, seeing Moria. Yeah, like before the fall, it's like this is a really nice place. Like this is kind of yeah. cool. And um, what was it, Numenor? I thought, oh, this this is this is cool. I, that was nice. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I everywhere else kind of, eh, but yeah, I think my that was my my favorite set design was Moria. Yeah, because having only seen it in Fellowship of the Ring, you know, where it's run down and filled with orcs and all of that, and it just looks like a haunted castle. Yeah, and, and but, I do yeah. like how they kind of stuck with the sort of Peter Jackson or the Weta aesthetic for it. And mm -hmm. uh, like for all the complaints that one could level against the show, when they show the Balrog and it's straight out of the Fellowship <laughs> of the Rings, like somebody on the team realized, do not mess with perfection. So I applaud <laughs> them for that. It's like, so. we're not doing a better Balrog than in that film. So mm -hmm. <laughs> let's just copy paste that thing. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the prologue to The Lord of the Rings, in the movie at the very least, they talked about how the dwarves forged the rings. Am I wrong about that? I don't think they, they don't really say like who, like if anyone race made the rings, they just mm -hmm. do the, you know, do do the, the, the ring poem, you know, three for the elven mm -hmm. lords under the sky, seven right. for the dwarven lords in their Halls right. of Stone and Nine for Mortal Men Doomed to Die sort of yeah. thing. So they, I don't think they really mention where they were forged, just that three were forged for the elves, seven for the dwarves, and nine for the men, yeah. and then in secret, one for the Dark Lord. Right. So the show's premise is that myth, elven magic is dying or some shit. Yeah, and... there's some blight or something on the land. I, it right. wasn't quite clear to me either, but okay, Right. And then, and so the dwarves, which, which found could have been used as evidence of Sauron still being alive. <laughs> Again, we feel a presence in the forest. The, the emperor might be back. Yeah, really Adriel, you, you seem to be the one who really cares the most about this. Why don't you go take a team and investigate? Yeah. Um, so Elrond is sent off to go find something that might cure the problem with the elven magic. And he find you know, and what's his nuts, the redheaded dwarf. Durin. Uh, Durin, yes, Durin. Um, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. What are the characters? Uh, what's his nuts in that guy? Well, um, for, for me, they, they, this was the, the story arc that I actually really enjoyed, the Elrond mm -hmm. and Durin thing. Okay. I, I, I think that the actors had a good chemistry with each other, and it was kind of a, an interesting story. It, mm -hmm. Like th that, was the, that was the highlight of the show for me, was whenever those two were, were off doing things. But it was it was one thing stretched out over several episodes. Essentially, yeah. it was I've, I'm here to find the magic. The magic's in the cave. In the magic's in the cave. We found it when we started digging. My dad said, "Stop." So we're not doing it anymore. Okay, but I need it. We're all gonna die. Fine. Here's a small piece. Get the fuck out. <laughs> That's it. That's the yeah. whole story. So they take the mithril. They start combining it with other metals, and they make the rings. And like that is the whole point of the show. That and the cre and how Mount Doom erupted killed the Southlands and created Mordor. Yeah. That's what I did think that can show. Yeah. I did think the whole like uh, dam system that Sauron had underground to set off the volcano was kind of neat. But does that make a great story? No, it was just kind of a cool set piece. Yeah, that that's what I, I agree with you. I think the episode where that I didn't understand why it was happening, but it was also might have been when I was watching it. But when when the dam breaks, <laughs> when the levees break, um and uh they flooded New Orleans. And then you know the Mount Doom erupts, and it, it it's all a awesome sequence. I think out of context, if you're like watch this show, this sequence is awesome. You really just need to kind of watch that sequence. You'll have the same effect because again, when it goes off and it kills all those people, and you have that big, you know, you're supposed to as a viewer be like, oh no, the people of the Southlands who have come over six or seven episodes to really enjoy and bond with as a viewer. They're you all and I had a very different experience the Southlands. <laughs> you, you were, no, that's what you're supposed to feel, though. You're supposed to be yeah. very connected to these people. And so when it goes up in smoke and they're all dead, and it's like, oh, you're buried under the ash of Mordor. Sauron yeah, lives. Yeah, the, the, only, the only Southlands character I really connected with was, was, was the guy who was basically like a Sauron Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> like, like, tell me, boy, have you have you heard of the message of Sauron? No, no. Okay, so we're on the same page, though. I'm not saying I yeah. had that connection. You're meant as a viewer to have that connection. They wrote it thinking you'll be connected to the Southlands as a viewer. And so when we blow it up, you'll be like, oh, no, the Southlands. Damn yeah, you, like, Sauron. Like, we needed a bit... Less of leaping right into the what's going on with the orc tunnels under it. We needed a bit more mm -hmm. establishing like who these people are and why should we care about them. Like, like look at how the hobbits are introduced right. in Fellowship of the Ring, where you really see this idyllic country life. And, you know, you, you, you I mean, a lot of them is like coding the hobbits as just like garden variety English. 
but right. you, you sort of you understand why the hobbits love the shire why the shire is important and why they need to go off and save the world to protect the shire right you but, I think it would have been more effective had they actually had the bit with Saruman where he sacks the where he sacks the Shire, but either you know, but even like the dream sequence, you yeah. as a viewer, to more to your point, you as a viewer are very much, oh no, we hope they win. We don't want to see what they're showing on screen happen to the actual Shire, which is you know the raising of the Shire. Just yeah, scouring almost, of the Shire. Yeah. yeah, which is only seen in flashback. Uh, yeah, the, flashback. it's yeah, only for, seen in a dream sequence. Uh, yeah, it's in the Gladriel's uh, right bowl or whatever it is. It's yeah, the pal- yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they, they did, couldn't really find a place to put it. In. It's a shame because thematically it's very important. But I understand right. how, in the context of a film, right? You know, but it, like, that, just, you, just because I, I didn't get to say this during the long road to ruin, the point of the scouring of the Shire is the war literally ends at Frodo's front doorstep. Like Saruman right. escapes from Isengard and sets up in Bag End and conquers the Shire. You know, that's the point is, you know, why should we not, why should we care about the outside world? Because the outside world will come to you whether you like it or not. And there's no wizards, there's no kings, no warriors. It's just the hobbits have to deal with this crap. It's as if Tolkien had a point of view about his experiences in World War One. I. I, I don't think anyone could deny that uh, had an effect on him. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty major event. But yeah. anyway, so I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. Thanks. You're welcome. I've been waiting. I've been waiting almost a decade to get that off my chest, Mark. So happy you had this opportunity. Thanks. Anyway, the difference between the scouring of the Shire is you, as an audience member, are connected to the Shire. So when it's, there's the possibility it may go away, you're like, "Oh no!" And now you're invested. When it happens well, he, to the Southlands, they don't, as you're saying, they don't do enough to. They think they have. That's probably the, the show's biggest flaw, is that. The people writing it really thought they put enough time and effort and depth into the screenplay that you as an audience member are going to react exactly the way they want you to. And it's like swinging a miss every time, every yeah. single time, every emotional, potentially emotionally resonant moment in this show doesn't land. It's actually really impressive. Yeah, like I, I would say like it's not so much that this is a, it's not like a, a badly written show. It's just a very melee written show. It's it's kind of like watching someone try and make a show who's never written a show before. Like they're trying and they like, <laughs> they understand that these are the things that are in shows. Right. But they don't really kind of, there doesn't really seem to be any more of that sort of like in-depth sort of like, you know, this is how you write a character arc. Yeah. I, how- I, I say this a lot. Well, especially with these television reviews. And and, and in, in their defense, like I think Bezos was also he took since he was paying so much money, he mm-hmm. he, he had lots of notes, and I don't think he was terribly uh, insightful as a writer. <laughs> well, again, Robert and I talk about this all the time. You know, everything now, a lot of what gets produced out there. I mean, look, there's for every Ring of Power, there is. I've heard House of Dragons. I heard you guys talking about it, a little bit of House of Dragons. Yeah. I heard that's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, you know, for for every poorly written superhero show, there's a bo- there's the boys. You know, yeah. it's not all trash out there. There's some great quality no. TV. Yeah, yeah, you got to go looking for it. But I, I right. think a lot of it is just there's so much stuff being made now that I think there's just there's not enough writers to fill all the chairs, and you well, know, sometimes you just you you can't get the top level talent. The criticism that Robert and I levied is that it feels like uh, they're hiring writers. They're probably hiring pretty good writers, but not writers that have an investment in what they're writing. It's just a gig, and they're doing their level best. And you know, and they're they're given short timelines to get things done. They're they're probably given a lot of notes, and I think they're they're working. I I don't want to be the, the the critics. It's probably why I have less viewers than everybody else, but I, I don't want to be the critic that's just like they're bad at their job and they suck and the message and the woke and you know that's it's probably not all that complicated. It's they're doing their best, but they're forced to kind of look at fantasy TV and go, okay, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this Lord of the Ring show. I'll just write that. That all seemed to work really well and people were happy with it. I'll do that. So everything ends up coming like a bad cover song. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I heard this in another thing once. Let me do more of that. And it's like, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's you're, not, like... you're not getting why this thing 
hit with people. You think you do, and so that's what you're copying, and you've missed the point entirely. Yeah, it's kind of like in She-Hulk, how nobody on the writing staff had any experience writing a law show. Yeah. So yeah. they think. I, 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 yeah, I have not seen She-Hulk. I'm not criticizing mm -hmm. it there, but just that sort of thing is right. Yeah. Um. Well, but sometimes it works out too. Like, uh, you know, Russ Meyer, he, you know, he he wrote Wrath of Khan, and he wasn't a Star Trek fan. He just watched some episodes of the show and was like, "Oh, okay, I think I see what they're going for here." And uh, oh, Spacey, that could actually be a good. Uh, Okay, a, a good origin for a, for a movie. Wrath, and, you know. Wrath of Khan works as independently though as its own movie, and yeah. it's a stellar movie. It's one of the, I, I made this argument when we did the Star Trek yeah. perspectives. It's one of the best written, developed movies yeah. in the star in the Star Trek canon. Um, it probably doesn't resemble the show though. Uh, I mean, it's it's it certainly has it, it takes this franchise in a bit of a different direction, but mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that it's completely different from all Star Trek. Um, mind you, some of the problems is like so many people have tried and failed to copy its success that uh, it's you know, it's you, a darkness. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> to, to name one, uh, uh, Nemesis for another. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I, I'm just kind of pointing out that you know sometimes the writer for hire, the hired gun, does mm -hmm. actually give a fresh take on things that actually sure. is very good for the franchise. But yeah, a lot of the time too, it it just falls flat on its face. Um. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to you. Was there anything else about the show that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I know in far, in as far as subplots go, there's the whole thing with the Harfoots and as Drinker called him, not Gandalf. Honestly, that entire plot line fucking lost me. I, every time they cut to the Harfoots, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know who the guy, I don't know who the homeless is. I don't know what's happening. I don't really care either. Go back to, I actually, I kept saying, go back to Galadriel. At least I understood that storyline. Yeah, the the Hardfoot's one plotline was not interesting at all to me. I mean, the only thing interesting is yeah, who is the stranger? Yeah. And yeah, it's like I wonder if he's a baby wizard. And I get to the end, and yeah, it's a baby wizard. <laughs> so I, I I I did call that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a comment um, where I guess the, uh, the the white robed figures that were tracking him, who I guess are like acolytes of Sauron. Uh, they yeah, they they never really establish who they are. They're just people who use magic that are bad. And like Sauron, well, when when not Gandalf uh, does magic on them, and they turn into ring wraiths. And again, I'm I'm, I'm copying straight from the drinker here, but he he had a look. I'll give the credit where credits too. He had a really good point. Why are they turning into ring wraiths? <laughs> There's no rings yet. Yeah, because that's a I'm, thing people know. This is a big problem with the show, though, David. You can't just I, do the thing people know. I, I, I agree, but, but this is there. There's criticism. Then there's you know, like, what were they thinking in the producers' rooms? Like, well, they were thinking this is stuff people know, so we right. need to put it in our thing. And they want and they like the Lord of the Rings, so they'll give us money because of brand recognition. Yeah. So there's no way in hell my wife would ever watch this thing. She'd rather fucking gouge her eyes out. But if I yeah, had her in the room and she was watching that scene where they turn into ring wraith doesn't even connect this is like oh no zombies you know? yeah yeah my, my wife gave up after two or three episodes she was like i'm not interested in this like if i had made her watch it she would have but <laughs> this is actually funny actually it's, just, yeah. it's like you can't even like we need this to have wide appeal we want we want the wives of the men who are token fans to sit and watch this just like you know she hulk we want this thing thing to have mass appeal and it's just like the mass appeal people are going this is the least interesting thing i've ever watched i'm not doing this like swing yeah. and a miss. Yeah, so that was uh, yeah that that didn't work out too good. Yeah, uh, like I, I see how like the hobbits are very sedentary in the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So now let's make them migrational. So now they're on the great <laughs> journey and like okay, I mean you you did different for different sake and but, but yeah the the actual emotional ties of Nori and her family mm -hmm. and everything. It's just like yeah, it's just kind of hobbit stuff. Like nothing really, yeah. nothing really new and. And yeah, they, I think they did a lot better job with the stranger and you know, like, you know, he, he can't control his powers. So sometimes they do bad things. So that crest creates some tension. You know, like, is he a good person? Is he a bad person? Uh, yeah. Like that was a lot better of a misdirect. Like, you know, could this be Sauron? But, uh, you know, in the end it was, it, it wasn't, but yeah, it's like, like really, I, I started watching the show and I thought this is what the internet was losing its mind over for the past six months. What a waste of time. Yeah, well, they were losing their mind because we can't have women or, you know, or not white people in anything. 
Anything that we uh, like. Well, I even think like it's it's like yes, yes, that was definitely there, uh, <laughs> but. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to deny that, but also mm -hmm. just think like, oh, they're, they're making a new thing based on the thing I like, but they're not making it the, exactly the way I want the thing I like to be new stuff made. So I'm hangry now. Uh, so here's the thing. Having watched it, I'm not on the side of the people that are merely upset over the race swapping thing or gender swapping thing. Nor am I with the people who were like, Galatrio shouldn't have been your lead character. Those people can all fuck off. Um, I'm a, I am on the side of the people that like I'm mad. I'm mad because the show's not good. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that those people I'm I'm utterly sympathetic for. Yeah, because again, I I'm always the first person that says, "Well, why are we making this thing? Is it's not necessary?" No, it totally is necessary. You make things to make money, <laughs> and and Tolkien, for what it's worth, I mean that name sells role playing games. It sells video games. Yeah. There's a cartoon yeah. coming out in a year or two. Um, it sells merchandise, merchandise, merchandise. So why are they making a Lord of the Rings show? Because they fucking can. That's why. Yeah. And the, the last six things we made made a ton of money. We'd like to make a ton of money more. Yep. So I'm not mad at Amazon for taking a swing at Tolkien. And I don't, and I think the people who are just like, the people who are like, should have just left it alone. I mean, I don't blame you for thinking that way. God knows there were certain things that I've looked at and like, why, why are we messing with this thing that was fine the way it was? Yeah. But I find it. Because you can't let anything sit on the shelf anymore. That's why. Yeah, and I don't really hate it in that way. Because like, I, if you don't watch it, it just it's not really it doesn't really mess with anything. It's so far mm -hmm. in the past that you know you can just <laughs> sort of sort of view it as non-canon. And one one criticism that we haven't touched on, there's not much to say that I mm -hmm. have heard is also the diehard Tolkien fans who have read through the Cimmerillion, which I respect because I tried. I got about halfway through the first. I've heard of like reading it. I heard the Sumerian is like reading a dictionary. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty dense work. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, so they're saying like, oh, this is this doesn't match up with with what Tolkien wrote. They've taken too much artistic license and like, okay, but I've I don't have that knowledge, so I'm just coming at this as a layperson. Right. Just well, that was that wasn't that our Dune going back to what you said before. Wasn't that our Dune discussion where like you had all like all read Dune and everything and like knew it, yeah. and I'm like I've never read Dune, so all I can tell you is what how this film worked for me and. And those are two great points of view to go mm -hmm. at an adaptation. Yeah. One from someone who knows the source material and how good of an adaptation is it? And another mm -hmm. from like, yeah, I've, I don't know anything about this thing. And this is what I thought. Yeah, I recently reposted the Jason Bourne stuff. And that was one of Robert's things. It's like he read the Jason Bourne books and was just mad at the movies because they were not enough of a page to screen adaptation mm -hmm. and you know and and he'll even catch himself and say oh i understand you have to make some allowances for you know f because not everything is going to translate to the screen but my dad had the same criticism of some of some of the harry potter books where it was like they took a page or two from the harry potter books and that's the whole movie and left a lot of it uh, and let a lot of it back in the book so it's like you know it becomes like cliff notes or a highlight reel of what happens in the book, and I'm like, these things are like thousands of pages long. You can't do it all. You just can't. Yeah, the Battle of Helm's Deep was like a page. <laughs> well, I think um, that that was the same criticism of the Hobbit too. Was the Battle of the Five Armies was like you know not that long. It's like yeah, a page or two in the book. Yeah, with the Hobbit, it's a bit different in that they just didn't have enough book to make three movies of. But I think the studio wanted three movies because that's what we did with Lord of the Rings, and that made us a ton of money. It's also why we had to split the last Hunger Games book into two movies, and we had to split the last Twilight book into two movies, and yeah. this was a thing. I, I, yeah, I think if they just did the Hobbit as a two two part movies, or actually if they did the Hobbit as a Amazon mm -hmm. series or a streaming show, that would have worked a lot better. I think. Maybe I think when we talked about I think when we did the Long Road to Ruin on the Hobbit um, movies, and I think even when we when we we didn't review the first two Hobbit movies, I wasn't doing this at the time, um, or maybe I only did two uh, two out of the three. But um, I remember one of the I remember there was at least one discussion of how the Hobbit probably didn't need to be three movies, two at best. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, the Battle of the Five Armies didn't need its own movie. So yeah. I, think, I think I was trying to fix it at the time, and I was like, ah, oh, you could do it. You had to do this, this, and this, and then you have a movie there, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, it's tricky. Um, like, like, all I'd really say my big thought on The Hobbit was apparently like Peter Jackson was brought in at the 11th hour. It was a troubled mm -hmm. production. So that was basically Peter Jackson doing a rush job by the seat of his pants, and yeah. to his credit, 
That's actually pretty decent films that turned out for given that situation. So I, I like the Hobbit movies. They're fun. I mean, they're not as good as they're not anywhere close to even good as Lord of the Rings, but you know, what is? Um and, all right. And best best dragon on film. By which is far. all I really wanted. <laughs> yes, the, the Martin Freeman Benedict Gumbabach stuff. Uh, when, 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 I, when I saw Fellowship of the Rings and they did the Smaug firework, I'm mm -hmm. like, I want to see these people do like a full-on <laughs> dragon and I got my wish and it was awesome. I was not disappointed. So. That exchange of dialogue where he's where where Martin Freeman, God, God bless him, and he's just like Battle Rider. And <laughs> yeah. Benedict Gumbabach, lovely titles. It's yes. so good. They have that that is a that is a great exchange of dialogue. That little scene there makes the whole thing worth it. Anything else about Rings of Power? Because if not, we're gonna we're gonna fire flaming arrows into the boat that doesn't look into the darkness and be done with this. Yeah, I got we haven't covered everything, but like just we don't care. Like it's no. like we had the, the the elf with the orcs character that we thought might have been Sauron, but no, like there's not really much there. It's yeah. Yeah, that, almost that entire that the black elf um and that entire like escape from the prison camp thing I felt like was created because they didn't have enough story. Yeah, I mean it was more interesting than him and the human woman love story thing and her idiot kid whatever. But yeah, yeah it was it's like it, again, as we said before, like it's not a bad show. It's not a good show. It's just a mess show. And those are the hardest things to review. Like it is, it, it's a five out of 10 as five out of 10 as a five out of 10 can be. It's yeah. I'll, I'll conclude by saying this. And I said this to you when we started up tonight, part of the reason why I gave up doing television reviews was I got tired of watching something just to review it and not really enjoying it or not having a lot to talk about here. There's a discussion to be, I'm not, Sorry that I watched it. I wanted to watch it anyway as a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm not sorry we talked about it. I like talking to you. Um, I was Thank glad you. you of the of the million people that wanted to be on the yeah. show tonight that you were the last one standing. Yeah, um, I thought there'd be more people here. This was a big one. <laughs> but, okay. Um, yeah, it's the timing is everything. But I think the the discussion was more around the criticism of this because if you take out if you take out the sort of the internet outrage. You take out the YouTube videos slamming this thing. You take out the sort of where we are in criticism culture. All that's left is the show, and the show itself doesn't warrant an hour-long discussion. We could have wrapped this into If we just talked about craft, after you praise the cinematography and the set design, there's nothing else to talk about other than the poor writing, and I can't do 40 minutes of this show sucks and the writing is terrible. Here's why. Um, I mean, we somehow managed to do it, but if, again, if you go back and peel out all the stuff we did about sort of secondary criticism, you know, criticizing the criticizers, we didn't do that much of a craft discussion here. And I'm not one to, you know, I know Alexis likes to break things down episode by episode, plot point by plot point, but I, we've done that before and it just becomes, and then this happened. what do you think of it? Eh, it's fine. And this happened. Like, and have, having done that with the metal hammer of doom, what do you think of this song? Yeah, it's fine. I, no. <laughs> we're good and that's a wrap all right folks uh that is a wrap that is our review such as it was of the lord of the rings the rings of power solidly meh um tomorrow we've got uh david's gonna be back along with alexis Haina, myself and rob winfrey gonna be a really long show because because unlike this show there is a lot to talk about i don't care what robert winfrey says there's a lot to discuss with Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. Um, yep. It's probably going to be... We haven't done a three-hour Damn You Hollywood in a while. I think this one's going to be close. If not the entire three hours, it's going to be at least two and a half. Because there's a lot to discuss even before we get into the craft review with, just in and of itself, the discussion of whether or not they should have recasted uh, Black Panther. Um, plus, we're going to, you know, it's it's the end of phase four, so we're going to spend some time during the money discussing uh, the good, the bad, and the why of phase four, um, and then, of course, the critical review. So get ready for that. Tune in tomorrow. David will be back. Alexis will be there. Robert will be there. And they'll all be trying to calm everyone down and have a civil discussion. So tomorrow, Wakanda Forever, Black Panther. Uh, Wednesday, I got a double header for you. It was supposed to be last week, but I was on a date, so I moved it to Wednesday. We, myself and Jason Teasley, at noon, doing a triple feature for Grindhouse, which was Death Proof and Planet Terror. And then the fake trailer that got turned into a real movie, 
starring Rucker Hauer, Hobo with a Shotgun. And then in the evening time, myself and Jesse Starcher will be reviewing season four of The Wire, which focused on edumacation. On Thursday, three times a charm. Um, this is now the third time we've rescheduled this. Uh, hopefully we'll actually get it done. It's a documentary series from Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind. We'll talk about that at noon. And then in the evening time, uh, it's a week late, but that's okay. It's our yearly tradition around Veterans Day. Myself and Andrew Graham doing our Veterans Day special. This year is a triple feature featuring Full Metal Jacket, The Outpost, and Hamburger Hill. Um, on Friday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, back in the back in the olden times, we did a series uh, where we compared. It was sort of the pre predecessor to Comic Strip. We dedicated an entire month to Alan Moore. Do you remember this? Do you remember Alan Moore month? Ooh, uh, no, actually. <laughs> okay, it's been a yeah. while. I, me and Jesse, um, we would do. We would occasionally do some really fun stuff in the old Block Talk Radio era. And one month, I just decided that we should dedicate an entire month of podcast to Alan Moore. So we did four, and we compared the movie to the book. We did Watchmen. We did The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. V for Vendetta. And then um, uh, from hell. So though uh, the V for Vendetta one already debuted earlier in the year, um, the Watchmen is the 18th. That's going to be a re-air. The one for um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen will be Saturday the 19th, and then Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is from hell. So give those a listen. Those were fun shows when we did them. We had Ronnie Adams, Jesse Starcher, myself, Robert Winfrey, Benjamin J. Cologne showed up on some of these. I think Sean Comer was on one. So we uh, we used to have fun. Remember those days, Dave? We used to have fun on this yep. network? We don't have no fun no more. Well, I can have some fun. Uh, some just, fun now, just, hot damn. Just got to be careful about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, besides Wakanda Forever, David, what else are you on these days? Uh, I have uh, next month. I've got The Crown season five. I think we're at and Avatar two. Okay, yeah, I need to actually add you to those. So thanks for reminding me. Um, nice. Yes. <laughs> okay, Avatar two and The Crown. Got it. I will add yeah. you accordingly. That said, thanks for joining us here on TV Party Tonight on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network for David Wright. I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well. Be safe and behave.